This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Alon Kirkland. You listen to the SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G. Stryker, and with me is the man who bastes his briskets with copious amounts of craft beer and love, Hunter. Guys, we're on Wednesday. I know usually we do our podcasts on Tuesday. Uh, Total Sports Enterprises has their signed Juju Smith-Schuster jersey giveaway today. So jump over on uh, Total Sports Enterprises at their Twitter. That's at Total Sports ENT. Make sure you retweet the uh, the jersey signing for Juju Smith-Schuster. And if you're also following our podcast at underscore SN podcast, you get a free bonus entry. That's two chances to win this awesome Juju Smith-Schuster signed Color Rush jersey. And also we've got um, they're selling signed Heath Miller jerseys for 109 bucks on their website as well. And that's their website is at www.tseshop.com. So have some fun with that. And thank you very much to Total Sports Enterprises for yet again providing another signed jersey to Steeler Nation. That's awesome. And I hear the, the signed Heath Miller jersey actually has a little implant, little button you push that just says Heath whenever you push it. <laughs> So that's even another reason to get that. that Who doesn't need a Heath Miller? Every Steelers fan, I feel like, should have a Heath Miller jersey in, in their collection. My wife already just shared with it on my Twitter uh, yesterday saying, Christmas present, question mark, because Heath is her all-time favorite player. She's nice. Jersey from years back, and uh, so she's like, oh, maybe a new one. So I'll have to discuss that with her today. That's awesome. Actually, the only white Steelers jersey I have is a Heath Miller jersey. So he's got the white from their Super Bowl run, 2005 run. Cool, cool. And well, how about this, Hunter? I mean, we got a forced buy this past week. Odd as hell. Um, I, I know, uh, but one thing is, hey, Steelers might end up getting another bye week at the end of the season. It sucks to do it at week four. One other thing that I posted out early when this happened is – I remember the last time we had a week four bye. I think it was in 2005 when we ended up playing 13 straight games and winning the Super Bowl. So, good happen again. This is a good team. I think they're just as talented, if not slightly more talented. And we'll discuss that a little bit later on in the show since we don't have a lot of back shit, back, uh, we don't have a game this past week to talk about, but we've got a lot of things to think about, of course, and moving up into the next week because we did our breakdown last week for the uh, Tennessee Titans, but. We didn't face them, so necking down the Philadelphia Eagles, which we will do later in the show. Um, interesting things about the, these buys is that, you know, we're trying to weigh the options of, you know, people are asking me on both uh, the Steeler Nation forum on Twitter, they're like, Striker, you know, what's going on here with these outbreaks? I mean, how? why are the Steelers – postponed a week and why did the Kansas City and uh, Patriots get to take a couple days off and play on Monday night and I'll tell you why is one is an outbreak and the other is a positive test so 
what the what the league is doing is when you first get a positive test, they shut down. They make sure that no other positive, positive tests are going to come in within 48 hours. Nothing comes in. They reopen. Go ahead, business as usual. So what happened with the Steelers and with the Titans was every day they kept having more and more positive tests. Yep. They had positive tests all the way up through every day of the week until Sunday. Monday was their first day. They did not have any positive tests. And then just yesterday, they had more positive tests. So there's an outbreak going on in Tennessee. We'll discuss some more like weighing and options and, and, and you know hypotheticals later on in the show about that. But that is the reason why Tennessee game had to be completely postponed for a week. You know, and then whereas there was only one positive on the Patriots being Cam Newton, a huge positive, and that cost them a win. Because you watch Monday night, you got to play that game. It looked like they had a great defensive scheme set up. They really slowed down um, that Kansas City high-powered offense, but they had nobody on – on the Patriots side to really push the ball down the field and get that ball into the end zone. And that ended up being, and of course, you know, throwing interceptions and stuff didn't help either. They ended up switching quarterbacks during the game anyway. So dude, who among us could have guessed that running your second and third string quarterback results in, in poor, poor games. I mean, no Steelers fan can possibly understand that pain at all. So I, I don't know. That's just so surprising to me that backup quarterbacks aren't as good as longtime starters and MVPs. I mean, I'm shocked by that, but, but man, you're, you nailed it about the whole, the outbreak situation in Tennessee. I mean, the Titans are by far the most affected by COVID so far. Now we have the Patriots, obviously Cam tested positive, and so did just today, Stefan Gilmore tested positive. So the Patriots are on the brink of possibly having an outbreak in that locker room for that team too. The Raiders, just somebody on the Raiders that they haven't named yet tested positive as well. So now we're at three teams with confirmed positive tests. And apparently the Raiders one is the most interesting. I shouldn't really call it interesting. It's, you know, unfortunate and everything, but it is interesting in that, uh, tight end Darren Waller had a charity event and a lot of Raiders were spotted there without masks. So you've got a gathering of people not wearing masks and now a person on the team is positive. Does that start to spread? Does, is, are the Raiders going to be the next outbreak? We know John Gruden has been very maskless on the sidelines, been very you know yeah. bra- brash about it and unapologetic about it, been fined and still doing it. Wearing his chin diaper. Thank you, yeah. South Park, for that. Yeah, <laughs> <Chin diaper. laughs> that great exactly. episode, the coronavirus special for South. Exactly, Park. <laughs> man. So, so now at this point, you've got three teams with confirmed positive tests, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. As the Titans just had more positive tests today, mm. and there's the Titans uh, Bills game is definitely in jeopardy because apparently the Bills next game is a Thursday night game against the chiefs. So wow. if the, so if the Titans have to play the bills on Monday, I mean, that's kind of out of the question. You're not playing on Monday and then turning around and playing again on Thursday. That's no, just, you can't, you can't, that's yeah, you can't do it. So no. at it's, this it's point, a Sunday or a no go, cause you can't have right. less than four days between games. Yeah. At, at this point, the Titans are absolutely looking at games getting canceled or forfeiting. And I think a forfeit yeah. is on the table. According to Roger, Roger Goodell, the bad thing is for Steelers fans. And I know, I'm very on the fence about this because on one hand, I mean, even Ben Roethlisberger said today that they got the short end of the stick. That was his quote, short end of the stick, which is very true. They did. But at the same time, it was the NFL's first exposure to to COVID affecting a game. They were still figuring out how they were going to handle it. The Titans didn't have an outbreak to the scale that they have now at the time. Mm-hmm. So both things are kind of true. Yes, the Steelers got the short end of the stick, but also, yes, postponing that game was the right call at the time because the way they shuffled the buys and squeezed the game in did make sense at the time. But knowing what we know now, maybe they would go back and forfeit that game because it's seeming more and more like the Titans simply have an outbreak and potentially even broke some protocols. So the NFL is investigating that, looking into that. If they're able to prove that Titans players were positive and still breaking protocol and doing yeah. things, then absolutely forfeit. And I don't even know if they can go back and forfeit the Steelers game at this point, but that would feel reasonable given that context. Like if you're just blatantly yeah. blatantly disregarding the rules when you know you're COVID positive, I mean, mm-hmm. come on, man. We, like this is a very hard situation for sure for everybody, but don't do that. 
<laughs> and you're, you're right as well. And Mike Tomlin even mentioned it in the presser yesterday when they asked him, should teams be punished if they're seen as not following protocols and have an outbreak? He, and Tomlin said, yes, of course they should be punished. Absolutely. So if you're stating that the Titans, as opposed to having another bye week now at the end of the season, yeah. um, that, that's what the NFL has to weigh now because you can't push that game back this week. If they can't play this week, it means that they have to make a decision on the Titans. And I think the decision will have to be either forfeit this week's game. And then if this game, week's game is forfeit, I think the Steelers do have a valid argument to be able to go to the league and say, we should still have our week eight buy and be given a forfeit because I don't see how we're the only team paying in this situation. Um, if Tennessee is the one that was negligent in their outbreak. Right. And I was reading a uh, Ed Bouchette column on The Athletic, and he had a very interesting idea that if the Titans have to forfeit a draft pick, which apparently is on the table, depending on how this all shakes out, that they could actually be docked a draft pick if, the, yeah. if they were found negligent in their handling, yep. then this, the Steelers should then be awarded that draft pick. Like instead I, of going back, I love and, that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he, that suggestion sounded off the wall, but the more I thought of it, because like what you said, yeah, keeping the Steelers by now, I don't see that happening simply because now that's not fair as a benefit to the Steelers. Like they get two buys within the first eight weeks and are going yeah. to be super fresh and everything. That's not fair. Either. That's not really the answer either. At this point, though, a draft pick is a very interesting scenario. Mm -hmm. It keeps them from simply forfeiting the game. You know, maybe they just cancel it and play a 15-game season, the Titans. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, truly, right now, we're in uncharted territory, which we knew was going to happen at some point. Yeah. Um, on, the, on the Facebook stream, if you guys are watching on Facebook, uh, my guy Quiggs, Matt Quiggins, just, yeah. just messaged that they should have figured out a bubble scenario like the NHL and the NBA, which is absolutely true. It would have been extremely hard, no doubt, for the NFL, harder than the other leagues, I think, to figure out. But as we saw, NHL worked, NBA worked, MLB really didn't work. There were a lot of outbreaks during the MLB season. They didn't have a bubble. Bad things happen. NFL doesn't have a bubble. Bad things are happening. It's pretty clear that when you can contain people to a given area and monitor that area strictly, you're going to have better results. I mean, it just makes sense. So, yes, Quigs, they should have. But they did not, and here we are. <laughs> well, here, th thank you so much, Quiggs, too, for uh, throwing up a question for us there on Facebook. And um, what I need to s at least counterpoint to that is state that, of course, it works for basketball. It works for um, NHL because you're talking about smaller rosters and smaller teams. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 12 players on an NBA roster. You're talking about 25 on an NHL roster. Now you're talking about 53 on a – NFL roster plus the 14 practice squad members, which you need to practice and rotate in and out because of COVID. So now you're talking about 70 players per team. And that's just the thing that makes it to me too difficult to manage in a bubble situation. You just have too many moving parts. Right. Uh, also just housing that many people in one spot is very difficult. And also you're playing, it's really easy to play on the same court for night after night after night for hockey you can Zamboni the surface, resurface it every, every period, and it's clean. It's same thing with NBA. You're not really having much issue if you keep playing on that same court. You know, you're not rubbing and killing court. But with grass, if you're trying to have, you know, 32 teams play on, you know, the same three to five fields, those fields are going to be destroyed, absolutely yeah. destroyed. And then right. it's going to be it, – it would just be a terrible product unless you're just playing on turf, and then we're going to have sure. knees destroyed. So that's something sure. that they're trying to pull out of too. So though I will state though, Quiggs, I, I've been thinking about this a bit and I do think that they do have to consider going to a bubble situation if when they hit the playoffs, because now you're ta talking about, you know, 32 teams, you're pairing it back down to 14 teams. That's more manageable. That can be something that can be done because then each week you're pairing down more and more teams to make it more manageable to get through the playoffs. So, I honestly think that that could be an option. Less games, less teams, hitting the playoffs. Yeah, a bubble would probably be ideal, especially if there's no vaccine. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea, too. I definitely like that, would be in favor of that if they can figure that out. Way more manageable, like you said. So that makes sense. And also, I think the nature of football is just 
so not only more people but more people close together you know there's like it's the yeah. least socially distant sport you've got literally yeah. tackles <laughs> tackles every play of piles of guys oh. you know breathing on each other probably uh spitting on each other a little bit not intentionally but you know yeah. just spittle it, happening yeah that yeah. close you're gonna i mean it's gonna happen and literally huddles on every play where i don't think they stay six feet apart in the huddles so i i'm it's just it's a tough situation, which we knew coming in. We knew this was going to be a weird season. It happened a little sooner than I expected, to be honest with you, as far mm -hmm. as multiple teams having positive tests and everything. But the NFL has a very real challenge ahead, and I, for one, am super interested to see how they handle it. Well, all of the COVID things aside, there's still one really excellent news out of not playing at all. Last week, every single team in the AFC North won. But the Steelers are still in first place of the AFC North, and they will be playing the first place yeah. <laughs> NFC East Eagles by winning their first game of the season. They are now in first place. So it's a battle Insane. of two first place teams coming up. Uh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's I mean, kind of weird. <laughs> it's very strange that a one, two and one team is first place in its division, but such is the state of the NFC East. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and the Steelers already obviously got a taste of NS, NFC East action when they beat the giants to open the season. So yep. you kind of get a feel for how that division plays and what the competition is. The giants, not going to lie. They don't look good by any means. They're, they haven't scored a touchdown in the past two games, which is not a good sign. But yeah. they're, they're looking like they're not going to just be a bottom-of-the-barrel team in that division that every team is just kind of the same right now. You know, Dallas's offense is amazing, but their defense is equally incompetent as their offense is competent. So they're, they're a mess. The Eagles are a mess. The Washington football team's a mess, as everybody knew. They're rebuilding yep. and everything. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a fun time. So the Steelers now get – with the Eagles to another bottom five offensive line. The the Giants allow three yeah. and a half sacks a game. The Eagles allow three and a half sacks a game. The yeah. Texans allow four sacks a game. Now, within those numbers, you also have to factor in the fact that they've played the Steelers, so the Steelers inflated those numbers a little bit for them. But at the yeah. same time, these are clearly three of the worst offensive lines in football that the Steelers get to face in the first four games. So – that's got to excite them. And if you guys have watched any Eagles games, and I'll admit I haven't watched full games, but I've watched plenty of highlights, recaps, and things. Yeah, That offensive line is a problem. And it's Carson, Carson yeah, like, Wentz is going to have a bad time. <laughs> isn't that like every single player now on their starting offensive line is a different starter than when their season started? Yeah. Yeah. Projected they've, start. yeah. They've shuffled. I think I read they shuffled. The offensive line hasn't been consistent in any game this season. It's been a different combination. Wow in every game. So, I mean, there, there's no cohesion, there's no chemistry, and there's not that much talent there to begin with, thanks to some injuries and everything affecting them early on. So they've got a beat up and shuffling offensive line, man. Carson Wentz has been bad this year, like four touchdowns, seven interceptions, I think. Def, definitely more picks than touchdowns. He's been terrible, but at the same time, as Steelers fans know, when that offensive line breaks down, if you've got these guys in your face, no quarterback is good in that situation. None of them. Not Tom Brady is terrible. Everybody knows you beat Tom Brady with a strong pass rush like the Giants have in the Super Bowl when they shut down that, you know, 18-0 team. That's how they got it done. Yeah. No quarterback is good on his back, and that's where Carson Wentz has been way too much this year. So he now gets to face the Steelers, who have arguably the best pass rush in the NFL. Yes. If Miles Sanders can't get going early and establish the running game for them, they're going to have a terrible, terrible time on offense. And I know it's going to be tougher as well on defense because Tomlin even mentioned in his press report, Zach Ertz, he's going to be a guy that they really have to keep an eye on. I know their wide receivers aren't as talented on the Philadelphia Eagles team, but it seems like their passing game starts and finishes through the middle seam with Zach Ertz, their yeah. possession receiver. Yeah, Devin Bush is going to have himself a handful with Zach Ertz. I mean, we saw him yeah. struggle a little bit against Noah Fant. Did pretty good against Evan Ingram. And the Texans obviously don't have a superstar tight end of note, so yeah. they don't really apply. But so far, you know, he's kind of 50-50 on improving against the, the tight end. So Zach Ertz is absolutely a Pro Bowl caliber, all-pro tight end. Everybody knows that. He's their best receiver by far. 
it's a huge task for him and the rest of the team for sure in containing him. But like you said, the receivers are still banged up. Both Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey probably not going to play again. I think I read they're still questionable. So even if they're there, we don't know exactly how full health they're going to be. And even if they are full health, it's not like Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. You know, it's not really a super dynamic duo. Deshaun Jackson can always blow the top off a defense, of course, but that's about all he has to offer at this stage in his career. So the Eagles are beat up. The offense is not great. Their defense is actually pretty ferocious, though. The defense looks all right. You know, they've still they got a familiar face with Javon Hargrave over there. Steelers yeah. fans <laughs> know what he's capable of. Their defense has actually looked okay and pretty much won them won them the game against San Francisco last week, but facing a backup quarterback. So is that game a little different if Jimmy G's playing? I don't know, but I know that Ben Roethlisberger is better than Jimmy G anyway. So, and, and as we talk about on this show a million times, you know, the Steelers offensive weapons this year are just insane. And once they get more chemistry, get in more of a rhythm as the season goes, they should just get scarier. I, what, I mean, I feel like we're broken records on this show, man. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a win game for the Steelers. They should absolutely win this one and improve yeah. the 4-0 especially playing at home now in front of fans for the first time this season. Uh, Steeler Nation's going to have some terrible towels on the sand, yep. and that's, that's going to be awesome to see. I know uh, Tomlin said the team's going to be energized uh, having fans in the stand. Obviously, the, team, the, the, the players have been tweeting out. They can't wait to see Steelers and fans out there hooting and hollering and terrible towels waving because that energizes yeah. them. So we'll have to see if Renegade gets played. But... Ah, I hope not. <laughs> Keep it. But no. In, I always got to rub that in your face there, Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, one interest, I mean, it's just the broken record that you're attesting to as well is coming down to the point is as Steeler fans, we've got to recognize that we've got a really diverse offense that is really tough to match up against. Now the Steelers have four running backs that they utilize in the running game in different ways. They've got, two tight ends that they utilize the entire game. And now they have four wide receivers that they work into the game and all, all four of them are, are active and making plays. So that is the toughest thing for a defense to have to plan against is an entire team making plays, yeah. not just like one or two outstanding players where, yeah, you could shut down Le'Veon Bell. You could shut down Antonio Brown, but this is like Steelers just keep rotating players in now. And now this is just a, we're, we're a team that doesn't have those elite superstars like, you, you know, that, that Antonio Brown level, but they're just the next tier down and they're across the board. Yeah. So this makes it really difficult for teams to plan against, especially like, well, we see Vance McDonald's going to be on the, on, the, on the field this play. It's got to be a running play. <laughs> he chips, he goes out for a pass. He can catch a pass and knock somebody on their ass. So, so it's like, Which he does. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> know. It's like with – this is where – I feel Steeler fans should really start watching how the offensive game plan is coming into shape with Feekner and Canada working together to utilize all these skilled players and different alignments and bringing the personnel changes in and out because that's exciting for me for football. I love watching that. And mm -hmm. so for them to start, you know, running with it, I expect to start seeing that this week, seeing the offense clicking and then flipping to different personnel sets while still running their motions. And it's going to be really, really difficult uh, for a team, for any team to face, but a team like the Eagles this week, it's going to be, you know, <laughs> very, very difficult to try to stop the Steelers offense. Yeah. I think you definitely nailed it there. And the reason why I feel like we're such broken records with every game is simply that the Steelers have an identity already. I feel like we know exactly who they are on defense. We know what they do so well on defense and literally no offense in the league. Like even you can take the chiefs, the chiefs will still struggle against that defense. That defense is a problem for every team. Yeah. And on offense, they are exactly what you said, just a pick your poison kind of, they don't have, it's not just going to be James Conner. It's not just going to be Juju. Every game, it could be a different super, superstar emerging. You know, Deontay Johnson, I think we both think is probably the most talented receiver on the team, kind of more of the possession guy, will have the most receptions and everything game in, game out. Mm -hmm. But then you have a guy like Claypool who just blow the top off your defense, or a guy like Juju who's a huge red zone threat, yards after catch, just tough guy, does everything. Yeah. Ebron, red zone threat. We, saw, we finally saw him in the red zone uh, last game against the Texans and saw what he can do there. 
Mm-hmm. It's such a pick your poison. And then on third down, you got James Washington coming out of nowhere, making yep. tough catches, yards after the catch. I mean, <laughs> you, can't, you can't dial in on one guy on that offense because they'll yeah. gladly pick you apart with the other guy. And I, I can't remember if it was Tomlin or who said it, but he, he even admitted that Ebron to this point has kind of been a decoy to open up Juju and Deontay more, which yeah. is obviously not what they signed him to do just to be a decoy. They'd probably like to get him the ball a little more, but at the same time, that speaks to exactly what we're saying with the offensive identity. Ben's not going to just force it to Ebron because he feels like Ebron needs to get catches. If Ebron opens up Juju, then of course, he's going to just throw it to Juju. Like they're just taking what defenses give them at this point and making the reads on the fly. So it's been fun and they're, they're really only going to get better. Like literally what we've seen from their offense at this point feels like the floor to me. I don't know if you agree, but I feel like they're really not going to get worse and have limitless potential to get better. Yes. Yeah. That's perfectly said. I agree 100%. And that's, and that extra X factor to creating the floor versus expanding it is, is Ben Roethlisberger. The only guy we haven't mentioned on the offense, which is the hall of famer, obviously that's in there to, to make everything run. And he's, Though he is the hardest person on himself, he's still statistically having a very good year. Seven yeah. touchdowns, no interceptions, and in, in three games. I mean, that's – I don't think he's ever started a September in three games with seven touchdowns, no interceptions. That's usually the other way around. He's he, usually he's slow okay. out of the box. Man, yeah. he's, he's definitely okay at football. It's nice to have him back. It's crazy how much a single player can dictate things. You know, whenever – the Bengals selected Joe Burrow over Chase Young. You know, I kind of thought they should have ta- – I thought Chase Young was the best player in the draft, and I thought they kind of mm-hmm. overthought that. I thought they could keep Andy Dalton around and be okay, you know. Yeah. But then, like, Joe Burrow comes in, and you see how he plays, and you see the spark, mm-hmm. and you see what he's provided that team. Man, he looks very, very good. He looks, yeah. he looks awesome. You know, Steelers fans probably don't want to hear that, but for a young rookie, especially in a shortened offseason, yeah. shorten everything, Joe Burrow looks great. And then – I think about what Ben Roethlisberger does for the Steelers and I'm like, okay, like it's not a quarterback obsession. It's just, that's how much the quarterback will impact the game, obviously more than any other position on the field. And it it truly is just worth it. So seeing Ben back and humming along has just completely revitalized the team. Obviously they're undefeated and I think they're going to stay undefeated after this week. And that's a crazy thing. Now looking at our division is the antithesis of the NFC East that we're playing this week. Like, Everybody in the Steelers division, like I was surprised to see, hey, Cleveland's three and one. You know, and looking and looking better every week, unfortunately yeah, enough. They, yeah. And, and their only loss being to Baltimore. Otherwise, they'd be four and one yeah. and Baltimore would be two and two. But hey, two, three and one teams. There's three teams right now in our division with three wins, even though we didn't play last week. We still are there. And Cincinnati picking up their first win too. They're starting to get some momentum on offense as well. So this is going to be a really tough division to have to run the gauntlet here coming through the next couple months yeah i mean since he tied philly as well so it's not like they yeah. lost every other yeah. game you know, they even have a right. tie in there so that was easily could have been a win for them so the steelers have philly coming up that's you know nfl math doesn't work you can't say because philly tied the Bengals. they're exactly as good as the Bengals. so whatever the steelers do to philly that's what they'll do to the Bengals. like it doesn't work like that but you can at least get a little barometer for what caliber, you know, the Bengals are going to bring to the table when they meet, because it is a totally new Bengals team. Like the way Joe Burrow has kind of changed the face of things. We'll see. We'll see. I like, we're not far removed from the days where the Bengals were winning the division and constantly kind of the class there, or at least in the conversation, you know, making the playoffs regularly. So I don't know if those days are back upon us sooner than later, but you look at the AFC North, like you said, like, which team is the odd man out? Because right now the Browns look like a playoff team. Yeah. The Ravens are a playoff team. The Steelers are a playoff team. The Bengals are on the rise. Yeah. At some something's got to give at some point. So that division is going to get super fun, man. I can't wait for some more AFC North battles. Yeah. The, the Bengals could definitely win that NFC East if they were in that division. Dude, year. that's see, that's a great way to put it. They they should qualify. You know what? Just let them be honorary NFC East this season. Let them make it. <laughs> Yeah, but at least it's a good thing that, you know, we're going to be playing all four NFC East teams. Should be at least three wins, hopefully four for the Steelers this season. So we'll have to see how they shake down if these teams don't start, you know, performing better moving down the down the road. Um, Taken back to the press conference, I at least want to touch base and let everybody know about the injury situations, what's going on. I know I touched base 
with the promo video yesterday. But in case you haven't heard, uh, Deontay Johnson is the best news. He's cleared concussion protocol. He's a full go this week. Um, I don't know if they're going to hold him out of practice today with his turf, with his toe. They didn't say it was turf toe yet. I assume it's turf toe. Um, but he was held out the previous two uh, first days of practice because of that toe injury. So we'll see if he gets held out again. If not, if he's full bore, it's a really good sign to say that that toe is even healed up. So as far as for anything for this past bye week, the biggest person that this thing helped out was Deontay Johnson. And he is the motor of that offense with all the targets with 25 targets now in the season. And, you know, Ben's looking his way every time. So he's going to be the, the chain mover and hopefully keep leading the league here and force missed tackles because he's a playmaker when he gets that ball in his hands. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I just selfishly want to see Deontay Johnson out there more. Uh, like we've said, you know, if you guys listen to the show week yeah. after week, he, he's one of my favorite guys to watch on the yeah, team in the, in the NFL in general. He's absolutely electric with the ball in his hands and he's just getting better. Like we definitely have not seen his best. And that's why selfishly, I just want to keep seeing him out there, keep seeing him develop because yeah. I'm intrigued by his ceiling, man. Like the AB comparisons happen all the time. And, and it's yeah. ridiculous to say yeah. any receiver and literally any receiver will be as good as AB. That's crazy to say it is, but I see a lot of the traits and like, I yeah. see the path yeah. where he could at least sniff that level. Like it's there for sure. <laughs> so I want to see him keep playing and seeing what he can do, man. Yeah, and, me uh, too. Yeah. Matt, we just got a, another comment on Facebook. Matt Langston says the cats will fall. Burrow's good, but not Brown's good. Yeah, I mean, just just to be clear, I was not suggesting that the Bengals are making the playoffs are going to be there yet, but no. It's ha- it, like I think Matt even said, you know, he'll get there. I do think he'll get there. And that that's kind of the thing because Lamar Jackson's not going anywhere. Baker, yeah. say what you will about Baker, he has his moments. Like when he flashes his upside, it's there, and that Browns team is pretty dangerous. If Burrow gets there, then, like I said, you know, something's got to give, man, that all four teams can't just be 12 and four. So so one of them is going to have to establish itself as, as clearly among the best. And I think, you know, at least this year, I think it'll be the Steelers. But this is where it goes. Yeah, and it, poor Steelers being the only team in the AFC North without a Heisman quarterback. I don't know how they'll survive, but they'll figure out a way. I, and, they'll uh, find a guy. Yeah. So, uh, touching base back on these injuries, uh, Derek Watt, a little bit of uh, insight into his hamstring injury, evidently has been running some on the sidelines. So, that's, that's good news, especially since we were told it was a grade two hamstring. And if it was a grade two hamstring, there's no way he'd be running two weeks after the injury. So I'm thinking this might have just been a grade one. So there may be a possibility of him returning this week. Outside shot. I'm still not uh, 100% in. We'll have to see how the practices go. Marcus Allen was the other one who got plantar fasciitis. He's got a foot injury. And he was mentioned that he's running in the pool. He's running in the pool. He's not on land yet. He's not going to play this week. So I'll project that he's going to be out uh, pretty early in this week, just from Tomlin's words. Um, Tomlin said we had a productive bye week, a good preparation for the Titans. Uh, they, prep, they, they prepared for the Titans, um, so the entire time, they didn't really have a bye week, so the entire time they were p- preparing to play the Titans, but they're all set up for when they play them later. And it says it was also an opportunity to pause and take global perspective on competition and equally important to get minor bumps and bruises taken care of and refocus. So and a nice way to kind of, you know, set the mind back and take a step back, take a breath, start moving forward because it seemed like the Steelers are on a roll, but they're improving each week. I'm hoping this extra week off gives them a little bit more to move forward. Absolutely. And one thing to keep in mind too, with the Titans specifically, I think, like you said, they now have an extra week of film study on them, which is obviously going to be helpful, but the Titans could theoretically be healthier too. When a receiver wasn't going to play, against the Steelers in week four. But now, obviously, he should be back by then unless he re-aggravates his injury or something. Hmm. That kind of sucks, too. Like, we talk about the short end of the stick. It it just didn't fall in the Steelers' favor. But as Tomlin, you know, says repeatedly, they don't control those things or concern themselves with those things. So that they can't. I mean, we we talked about before the last couple times they had to play 13 straight games. They handled it well, extremely well, actually. So – there's no reason that this is a deal breaker by any means. It's just a little extra difficulty along the way, but it's the NFL, man. It's not easy to make or win the Super Bowl anyway. It's never going to be easy. So if they do it, just more kudos to them if they can pull it off. 
Also, one thing that Tomlin mentioned during the call that we haven't touched base on yet is that Philadelphia's defense is very disruptive in their front seven right now. Those are the, the that's the part of the team that is getting forcing the turnovers right now. And they have 13 sacks in two weeks. So that is something that the Steelers offense needs to prepare for and make sure that our blocking is in a line utilizing you know receivers and tight ends to help out as well and possibly a receiver here and there to yeah. make those plays to get those other options open because that is it seems like we've had the feast moments so far this season of having being able to just go full bore into the other team's uh, quarterback but this week we're going to f- see what it's like on the receiving end because this Eagles defense really does know how to get after the quarterbacks yeah, and if you're one of those people that think the Steelers come out of a bye week sluggish, then this is a bad time to do that. That's not how you want to start out against a team like that. You don't want to let the Eagles get confidence early and put Ben on his back early and kind of shift the momentum right away in that way. So not a good time to come out flat and start slow, but I don't even know. I don't know if the data bears that out regardless. I don't know if that's a real thing or if that's just something that people think the Steelers do, kind of like how they always lose to bad teams. Well, um, you say that <laughs> we might come out slow, but across Tomlin's career, he has a, a very good record after a bye week. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like we're getting – but but it's it, we do seem sluggish after that, break. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like – Coming it, in after buys, so you know, totally it, anecdotal. I think it's yeah, just Yinzer. I think it's just Yinzer Steelers fans expecting them to be perfect a hundred percent of the time, and then when they're not, it's like rah rabble bye week. Rah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this fits my narrative <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, but one aspect that he was Tomlin was also asked is, you know, what about no huddle? Can you utilize it to stop oh. and slow down the pass rush? And he says, I hope so. Yes, you can use the no huddle to minimize an attacking defense if you do it effectively mm-hmm. or efficiently, he says. So it's being smart, picking the right spots to utilize that no huddle. And obviously, we've got one of the best no huddle quarterbacks in the league. So Absolutely. Dude, I, I'm, I'm yeah. such a huge, as you know, I'm a huge uh, advocate of more no huddle for the Steelers because Ben Roethlisberger, like you said, is the master at it. He's so... You can just see. I mean, if you just watch the games, you you just see a totally different offense when he gets to run no huddle and really get things humming. I think week one, he led a really nice two-minute drive against the Giants, and that's like what totally shifted the offense in general. Offense was super sluggish up to that point, and then Ben came out and kind of one of his masterful vintage Ben uh, two-minute no huddle drills. So, yeah, I want more no huddle. I would love them to open the game in no huddle. First drive of the game, let it go no huddle. Just open things up, get a feel for everything. Keep the Eagles on their heels a little bit. Don't let them settle in and just unleash that pass rush. So mm. that would be my wish to yeah. Coach Fickner. If I could write him a note, that would be, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if I could rub a genie lamp and get a wish for this week, that's what I would love to see. I doubt we actually see it, but – uh, maybe we do get to see more no huddle. I think it's interesting because Tomlin, whenever, whenever like an idea is totally out there and not going to happen, not something he loves, he will, he will shut the question down. Like we've heard him do that so many times where he'll deflect. He, he never, never in an angry or mean way, but he'll totally give it nothing, give it, you know, no credibility. He gave that one some credibility, you know, when he expanded upon it and said how it can work, and explained why it may work and why they may need to do it. That, to me, says that they are actually thinking about it. So that's that's really good to hear in his response. I'm no uh, Mike Tomlin psychologist or analyst, but I'm just saying, when I hear that answer, that's what I hear from him, from studying him for the past couple of years and talking to him you know, throughout last year. So that's what I hear there, which is a very good sign. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local favorite restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off the zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. 
That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Great, and now it's time on the show for our favorite section, questions from Steeler Nation. This is when we take your questions on SteelerNation.com from the football forum. Just hop on up. Sign up for a free account, and you too can ask questions to us during these podcasts. Unfortunately, we got a lot of help this week because we didn't have another game to talk about. So coming from Hoot, he's one of our favorites, asking us a question. He says this draft class has a chance to be pretty darn solid. Claypool, McFarland, Dotson, and Highsmith have all come out and excelled in their limited roles with no OTAs, mini camps, or actual preseason. How do you see this class, and how are they unfolding and then what is the next step for these young talents? Um, I'll start off quickly here um, for at least for – I'll take the, uh, the offensive guys here. I know Claypool, he's kind of like been the, the high bar. I mean, this is what we expect to see out of the level from a first-round draft choice, and we got mm-hmm. him in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he was ready to play day one. The guy plays so much special teams. That, like, we knew we drafted him for special teams. He plays essentially every coverage unit on some of the blocking units now. Yeah. And now he's out there making plays on, on the first five, I think, targets that he had. He caught all five balls in the first two games. And he's just making plays with limited t- times. And now they're just ramping that up. Same thing. McFarland finally got in for the first time last game, looking good. And then Dotson had a perfect game in the <laughs> highest rated guard, the, his only game that he's played. So crazy. That's, that's big coming off of there. And, and what, do, what do you see as well too, Hunter? Yeah, I mean, everything you see on offense, I see as well. I think McFarlane, I think all their ceilings are still way out in the distance, which is exciting for Steelers fans. Dotson is ready to play, man. He proved that, but he's just he's just a victim of playing behind one of the best guard right guards in the NFL. Like you're not just gonna replace David DeCastro. You know, if if the Steelers' right guard was Joe Schmo, then maybe they say, Hey, you know what? Dotson actually earned that starting role, but you're you're not gonna pass David DeCastro on the depth chart as a rookie. So through no fault of his own, he's being held back a little this year. And I'm definitely excited to see where he's going to go from here. He's going to be a piece, man. Like, I I mean, we said it before the season started, he might be the best pick in that entire draft class, which we thought was still a strong draft class. So we love Dotson, obviously on this show. I see great things for him. Claypool, McFarlane, I feel exactly the way you feel about them. Crazy upside. Claypool was, you know, kind of the Steelers first round pick. They didn't have a first-round pick. He's their first pick of the draft, and I think easily a first-round talent. I mean, he's already flashed. What's crazy is that he's already flashed the upside, which Steelers rookie receivers do not have a strong track record. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, they can be productive, but they usually don't flash like that. Right, right. Like Juju and Deontay, honestly, maybe newer fans to the team don't see this trend as much because Juju and Deontay definitely broke the mold as far as how productive they were as rookies. That was super uncommon. Santonio Holmes up to that point had the best rookie season for a Steelers receiver. And it wasn't, wasn't super noteworthy. It was like 600 yards ish, you know, just steady, but not exceptional like Juju and Deontay then flashed more. Claypool is already showing, you know, big flash, big flash, big play potential. So We'll see where he can go from here, man. It's super exciting on him. McFarland, I feel the same. You already saw his speed and shiftiness last week. Um, that's a very unique skill set. I think when Robert Golden was on the show last week, he mentioned that as well. You know how the three primary running backs there, even throw Jalen Samuels in there, they all do yep. something different well. Like yeah, that's do. the that's the really unique thing about those four running backs. So it's exciting. And then Highsmith, again, he's mm-hmm. kind of like Dotson in that I feel like when he's in, he's flashed and shown like he yes. might actually be ready, but you're not going to pass TJ Watt or Bud Dupree on the death chart. So not, not this year. No, but yeah, he's already getting TFLs. He's already getting yeah. pressures. So that's good. He looks to see the defensive and Highsmith, you know what, dude, Highsmith might actually be the most interesting one of them all because he's the rawest player. He was so raw coming out of college that we said, he looks good, but man, does he need some polish to compete in the NFL? You know, he really needs to add more to his pass rush arsenal and add some tricks and, you know, just all this stuff that just comes with experience. But then he gets in the game and you're like, oh crap, is he like, he's already kind of there. Like he's doing the thing already. So, <laughs> so he's exciting to, to watch because when you see him, you're like, man, wait, if he's raw, then where is the ceiling? Because he doesn't look that raw to me. So Highsmith is, is going to be a problem. 
Raw pass rusher sounds a lot like TJ Watt when <laughs> yeah. he was drafted, dropping all the way down to the 25th pick in the first round. <laughs> hey, man, that was a gift. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that's great. So, uh, But also the other defensive players, I know that um, uh, Carlos Davis, the defensive lineman, hasn't been active for a game yet. He may be active this week. I'm projecting him as a possible active player this, this week uh, just for the special teams that may needed that mm-hmm. we may need to come on in and help out with not having um, Marcus Allen and possibly uh, Derek Watt as well. Yeah. Um, the other one being Brooks who ended up not making the roster, but he is on the practice squad. He was the only person that really didn't develop as, as quickly. And with Marcus Allen kind of changing from that safety role into that money backer role for with the inside linebackers, it kind of took the position that we kind of drafted Brooks for. Sure. So give him a year to get season, and we'll see how Brooks turns out next year. But I, I, I loved his pop. I watched him play at Maryland. He was all over the field, and he was a heavy hitter. So yeah, I think, yeah. Once he gets out, I mean, he hits hard. Like we loved Clark every time Ryan Clark would come up and make those pops. That was the type of player he was for Maryland. Dude, I mean, overall though, that's a that's a hell of a draft class. Even already, you know, if these guys get to where they can go, it's going to be one of the best Steelers draft classes ever, which is crazy to say. I mean, you're never never topping the old school 70s draft classes that produced, you know, three Hall of Famers in a single draft, three or four Hall of Famers. So you're not going to top that. But going four for six with steady starters with, you know, who knows how good potential, four yeah. for six, you'll, you'll take that every year out of the draft. And Heinz57 has a question for us. He says, we haven't seen any sp- splash plays for Fitzgerald yet this year. Is he being used differently or are teams just staying away from him? And then, honestly, I was also one of the people that just said, you know, he's just disappearing in games until Alex Carroza uh, was able to do some breakdown over at Steeler Depot. And he, he showed how they're utilizing Fitzpatrick this year and they're moving him all over the place. Yeah. And that is what is, looks like is starting to really affect offenses. Isn't the plays that, Fitzgerald is actually making yet, but by moving him around, other people are moving to other spots and being in the right position to make these plays once the offense runs a play. So he's being very disruptive pre-snap. He's going to make plays. I mean, the guy just has talent out the wazoo, and he is going to make plays. It's a matter of time before his first pick six. Air horn for when you mess up somebody's name. I've decided that I'm getting an air horn for when you mess up somebody's name. <laughs> yeah, what was my mess up this said, time? You said Fitzgerald, and I was so oh, confused. I, I was so confused. I was like, wait. I was like, who's, who's Fitzpatrick. Right now? Obviously. Not my favorite receiver that never played for the Steelers. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yet. Yeah. I still have faith. One year contract and your oh, season. And your I, season I, back home, Larry. Come back I, home. I've been wishing for that for the past three years. I know, I know. <laughs> but now, that, I mean, Steelers really can't afford him now. So. Dude, I'll, I'll take him even when he's like 43. I'll take <laughs> him. I don't care. Like, just bring Larry Fitzgerald home. But anyway, no. Minka, Minka for sure has not been targeted much at all. Maybe like four times, I think I read. So, it's hard to judge whenever somebody just isn't getting action. It's the same thing we saw towards the end of last season whenever everybody thought he was kind of falling off a cliff when in reality he just simply didn't have the opportunity to make a play so you can't fault a guy too much for that but I will say man the one thing that concerns me with Minka a little bit is his tackling so far he's missing more tackles than I've seen him miss in the past and I'm not sure what that's about Mm. but I would love for him to be a more sure tackler but overall I mean teams aren't killing the Steelers with the deep ball by any means you know it's not like he's not performing his duties as a free safety so he's doing his job he's showing up he's just not the splashy Minka that Steelers fans were treated to last year. And that's, like you said, that's largely because teams are simply not allowing him to be. They're not giving him that chance. So, in a way, that's still a win. You know, I think of it a lot like Troy Polamalu when a lot of times Troy wouldn't make the play, but if you can make the quarterback second-guess himself or check out of a play or make the wrong read, that's still a win for you. You know, even though that doesn't show up on the stat sheet or people aren't going to notice it, guarantee you your teammates notice it and and the opposing team notices it too so if you can affect the game simply by being on the field Mm. that's a huge win yeah Heinz 57 also asks Juju had a pretty down year last year likely injured all season with turf toe but he has looked really solid to start the year contract extension to come 
And I'm, question mark. Yeah, you know, it's like, of course, I, I, as far as priority free agents for the Steelers go for next year, if you're looking at, you know, the, the two that I think are the, the toughest to get rid of would be Connor and Juju because they're both are Pittsburgh. They both embrace Pittsburgh. Mm. They're excellent people, both on and off the field. Juju is a bit more communal based with Pittsburgh, but I, I mean, I can't even really say that because Connor does all his work with the hospitals as well, too. I mean, it's, they just do different things and it's, but the interesting aspect with Juju Smith-Schuster is him starting his clothing line and tying it to the city of Pittsburgh and also getting Litzburgh trademarked. So yeah. with his lit and everything lit and then everything lit, 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 lit. So Litzburg is now trademark. I mean, he, he's got a brand in Pittsburgh. So this is something you have to consider during negotiations. Is he willing to take a little bit less money because he knows that that brand being a Pittsburgh brand is just going to sell and make that extra money back for him in, in spades. Dude, so, could you, you know, Tom Brady did that up there in New England taking – much less, but he making all of his endorsement money or making all that money off of endorsements. Plus his, his wife makes a pretty good amount of money too. It's so, crazy, uh, man. You know, and that's a situation where like, you know, if you, if you can get Juju Smith Schuster signed anywhere between eight and 12 million, like you find a way to do it. Like if oh, he's not absolutely. making 15, 16 million. Cause that's honestly, I can see him being a 15, $16 million uh, yeah. sign. And, but the other issue and then the thing which is purely a strategic thing, but it probably would be not the right thing to do to a player like Juju is he probably has the most value on the roster to do a franchise tag and trade. And mm. he's the only person I think on our roster that we'd be able to get a first round draft pick for. I'd hate to do it as a Steeler fan, but strictly strategic, that would be the only way that I think the Steelers would be able to get a first rounder for a player. I mean, a lot of what you said about Juju I definitely think is true. And even though the Steelers have such depth at receiver, you know, that that's a guy that I look at like, uh, probably could technically afford to lose him and be okay at the position. You know, like they still have that's, enough talent that's there. That's a good point. That's but, good point. Yeah. but what makes them so interesting, which as we've talked about their offense today and in every episode this season, is the bevy of options. Like when you take one away – that just makes the offense a little less dynamic. Like, you're probably not replacing him with a Juju-caliber player. Like, Juju is obviously very good. Last year was not good, but who was with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges throwing him the ball, you know? It was a rough year for every receiver on that team, the offense in general. So, plus, he was injured, which yeah. nobody, nobody likes injury excuses, but there were Deontay Johnson was injured as well, playing with a bad groin all season. Yeah. <laughs> yes. insane, like, how, how productive they still were to have any production with those injuries yeah to do anything at all but I mean we've already seen Juju this year matching his touchdown total from all of last season through three games so he's averaging a touchdown a game and proving that his second his rookie season obviously very good but his second season was his real breakout pro bowl season where he was just unreal proving to me at least that 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 wasn't a fluke you know he's already shown me enough this year to know that okay when he's with a legit quarterback on a legit offense he is exactly who we thought he was you know Dennis Green go full Dennis Green on you but <laughs> he, he is like he looks yeah. like the juju that you expect the pro bowl level receiver you know he's not putting up eye-popping numbers but it's because the ball is getting spread around so much and there are so many options to feed like we said they're taking smart plays playing it safe for the most part so juju isn't getting the volume that he saw in the past but when he gets it he's shown me everything I need to know like Every Steelers fan should definitely want Juju to stay in Pittsburgh. He makes them a better team, a better offense. I personally think he's very fun, engaging. I love his brand and everything he does. I was just in Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson yesterday, and they have a huge display of his Jumpin' Juju cereal. I was like, this is great. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's just fun. Like, when you can get a breakfast cereal with a Steeler on it, I'm, I'm all in. So, I love, I love everything he brings, man. And if you can get him on the cheap, if he if he takes a pay cut, how good would it be? I love that you said that. Yeah. If if Juju takes a pay cut to stay in Pittsburgh, he will shut up every critic he ever got. How can you criticize a guy and call him, you know, a diva and he's only in it for his money? He, he cares more about his brand than the team. Like these are the these yeah. are what people say about Juju. Juju haters say. 
if he would take a pay cut and stay in Pittsburgh, they got no more ammo. You're done. You can't, you can't trash on Juju anymore. Oh. And we have another question here from San Diego Steeler. He's pissed that we had no game this week. As things are starting to roll, I'm concerned what a week off will do. How about you? Maybe if we were facing the Ravens or something this week or a tougher team, I'd have more concerns. But being at home, playing against the Eagles, you know, I'm not as, I'm not as concerned this week. I think the Steelers were, are already building. I think they're still going to improve. And I think this is – it's going to be a test more, I think, on their offensive line defending their pass rushers than them being able to perform and win a game. Sure. I mean, I definitely, I just echo what you think there. But one interesting component of this, I think, is we've mentioned it a few times as far as with the no preseason and shortened training camps that teams really didn't quite have the chemistry altogether yet. They didn't have the time to get the reps in that they needed. And early on was kind of a feeling out process, so to speak. I'm interested to see if after the bye, the chemistry is a little better. Like if that extra week did help or would having a game last week have helped the chemistry more? Like it, is it better in a practice setting or in an actual game setting to develop that chemistry and kind of kick the rust off? So I'm interested to see what kind of strides they do or don't take coming out of this bye week, which sucks to even call it a bye week because it shouldn't have counted, but here we are. Yeah. Well, who knows? We might get a forfeit for it. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> or a draft pick. Yeah, <laughs> either way. I'm fine either way. I, Kelly, we, we, I know you asked a question here about the positive reports and the coronavirus. We tackled that at the top of the show. So we already took your question, but Ike, thank you very much Sorry, for Ike. throwing us a, a question. We love answering your questions anyway. Drink Iron City's back again. Hey! He's got, he's got a couple questions for us. Uh, first one was, is there any lingering effects in team operations, player actions, coaching from the Antonio and Le'Veon debacle? And is the clean slate as far as special treatment for certain – is the clean slate slate? Is, is there a clean slate as far as for special treatment for certain players? And I, I think that's a good point that Drink Iron City made right there in the last sentence that I really didn't think about is, you know, Tomlin does treat some players differently. You know, Antonio Brown did have some benefit of the doubt, did have some more slack until, you know, when he finally got around to benching him. And then that was it for Brown because he, he wouldn't step on the field with the Steeler jersey and left mid game. Um, that so that so was crazy. the last time we ever saw that. Um, ben, I think, probably gets a little bit more treatment, but, you know, I'm not as harsh on Ben because Ben is essentially, you know, the mouthpiece of the organization and parrots everything that Tomlin says anyway. I mean, he's towing the company line. It's not like he's a, a loose cannon anymore that since, you know, for the past 10 years, he's been a, a company guy. Yeah. So, you know, it was a tough situation with that whole – Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell thing. And obviously Tomlin was a younger coach. And I think we kind of learned from those aspects, but moving forward, you know, I don't see any lingering effects this year for this team. I mean, this is a completely different team. They're not even thinking about Bell or Brown. Uh, Hell Brown isn't even texting Juju anymore, throwing shade at him for better, you know, where where are your stats? And that's like, well, you have zero stats this season. So there you go. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane that neither guy is relevant in the NFL anymore already. Right. Uh, it's Isn't it's that crazy? insane. Yeah. And we were going to tie them up. We we offered big money to Bell. What, 30 mil to Bell? And he took More than slight, that. 30, Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah I know, he I, took slightly less to go to the Jets. And then, you know, that was it. You know, he, he hasn't had a, had, a, had a productive season yet no he flat out hasn't been himself like I, I don't know it makes you wonder about the system and offensive line and everything else that goes into making a running back because he just hasn't been Le'Veon Bell by any means or did he simply just stop caring as much as he cared in Pittsburgh I don't know but to answer the question I think it's really interesting because a to answer the first part no there's no lingering effects like like you said it's a totally different team now it's not the A.B. and Bell are are genuinely a distant memory, and I think they were a distant memory last year because players were still getting asked about them last year as well, and I remember every time they would be asked, they would just dismiss it it hard, like almost be offended that you would ask the question (laughs) that they've moved on. So even last year, I don't think that was a problem at all, but the special, special treatment aspect of the question is where I think things are very interesting because 
I think I, I tweeted this the other day, but somebody posted that picture of Bill Belichick at his presser with the cut off sleeves looking like an absolute like homeless guy. You know, he was in he was in his <laughs> press conference just looking straight up homeless. And I, I tweeted and I said, obviously it's hilarious. Like I, I love that I Steelers Nation can can roast me for this. I love Bill Belichick's whole homeless, I, I don't give a crap attitude <laughs> to the way he dresses and everything. I think it's amazing. But I think any exceptional human being in any job field gets exceptions. Like you make exceptions for people when they perform above and beyond. And that's totally fine. You know, this, anybody who works in literally any field knows this, like special people get special treatment. I mean, that's just how it works because they, a, some cases they flat out earn it. B, sometimes you have to understand their personality enough to know that they perform better that way. So for instance, last year, I'll use last year because reporters were actually allowed in the locker room and things. Juju, so most players, just to kind of break it down, after practices, media could go into the locker room and just kind of interview whoever you want. Like if they're in the, if they're at their locker sitting down, the players understand, you know, it's time to talk to the media. So you could just go up like, hey, Steven Nelson, can I have a minute of your time? Like talk, whatever. Juju was never available like that. He had a specific day and time that you had to talk to him. So when it was Juju's time to talk, everybody would gather around Juju at once and it would be like a scrum because you knew that was your chance to talk to Juju. Oh. And Ben Roethlisberger was same way. There was a Ben day, you know, a, a day and time to talk to Ben. So yes, if that's what you consider special treatment, then yeah. And obviously this season doesn't apply because of the zoom meetings and the way everything's structured, but Yes, there was still some special treatment, so to speak. But if Juju says, hey, coach, like, I don't talk in the media every day after practice because definitely a guy like Juju, if he was just available all the time, they would talk to him every day. He would yeah. be bombarded every day. Yeah. So if he says, hey, coach, talking to media every day isn't the best use of my time. I'd rather be studying the playbook. I'd rather be, you know, recovering. I'd rather be whatever. Yeah. Then – is special treatment bad? In that case, I think it's better. You know, if a player comes up and says, it helps me focus if I don't have to do this every day, then by all means, you've earned that special treatment. It's actually a benefit. So special treatment in general is a really, it's an interesting concept to me for the reasons I said, like, I think some people have flat out earned it and it's better for some people. So it's, it's so easy to just pin it as something negative, like, oh, you're being a diva, being AB again, but I don't think that's the case genuinely. I think that is probably as complete as you could put a thought down. <laughs> nice explanation there, Hunter. Thank you for taking Steeler Nation on that ride with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. How long did I just ramble for like an hour? What, that was great, was, man. I was just it, sitting back. <laughs> it's Thursday. It's Thursday. What happened? I and I just have to make one point for our people watching. I, this is the only time you will ever see me with – the enemy and the team's helmets back to back to like i'm in nice. an actual studio here like I we like have all that. 32 helmets we yeah. don't i'm just a pennsylvania boy i have an eagles helmet i do like them they're my favorite nfc team but not <laughs> liking them this week against the steelers <laughs> what what good pennsylvania boy doesn't have an eagles helmet stashed <laughs> away go. in the closet <laughs> some green somewhere i'm a central <laughs> pa guy so we got we got both sides anyway. it's all good it's all and, good and we've done it again, Hunter. It's been another great hour with you, my friend. And thank you for joining us. Obviously, everybody, follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Twitter, at Hunter A. Homestek. That's at H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. See us again next Tuesday and every Tuesday following at 2 p.m. live on Facebook, live on Twitter, so we can jump back on here and entertain you guys for an hour. Can't wait, man. Hopefully we're jumping on next week 4-0 and ready to talk about another win. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, talk to you next week, bro. Thank yeah, you man. very much, man. Take, take care, dude. All righty. Visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, on Twitter to be part of their signed merch giveaway done every week at Total Sports ENT. You too can get great, unique gifts on SteelerNation.com gear page like this awesome shirt that I'm wearing now. The Steeler six-pack one. So go on over to SteelerNation.com. Click on the gear page. They've got awesome shirts that you can buy and show your Steeler Nation pride during our now possible tailgates for the 5,000 fans coming this week. So here we go, Steeler Nation. 
SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steelers content on the internet. Click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click the forum button for the best football discussion on the internet. Subscribe to Steeler Nation YouTube channel to be the first to know about our live vidcasts and video uploads. Tweet us at Steeler Nation, Instagram us at SteelerNation.com, follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast or Instagram now at Steeler Nation podcast. And you can, of course, follow your lovely host, G Stryker, at SN Stryker, Stryker spelled with a Y on both Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for joining us again for your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker, with Hunter Homestack, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! The wait is finally over. Football is back. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.